0: Hello and welcome to Season 4. It's a podcast that seeks to encourage and inspire you on your journey. Well, today's guest is with my friend and colleague, Diane McWilliam. And as you can tell, she is um, from Scotland and she comes with a really fascinating background. Uh, She is a community development specialist and um, with that, She does lecturing, she does consultancy, and she's a practitioner. She's someone who's done it uh, in the grassroots. And today's session, we cover um, the subject, I think, probably the easiest way is how to traverse complex scenarios and make it a win-win. But as always, before we get into the discussion, let's go through our devotion and then take it from there. You are sacred. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 33 to 37, it reads in the Passion Translation Again, your ancestors were taught never swear an oath that you don't intend to keep, but keep your vows to the Lord God. However, I say to you, don't bind yourself by taking an oath at all. Don't swear by heaven. For heaven is where God's throne is placed. Don't swear an oath by the earth, because it is the rug under God's feet. And not by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. And why would you swear by your own head, because it's not in your power to turn a single hair white or black? But just let your words ring true. A simple yes or no will suffice. Anything else Beyond, this springs from a deceiver. On my mother's grave, I'll take an oath on the Bible and so on. Odd phrases. To the Jewish audience, Jesus referred to things that were revered, but Jesus recognised that these oaths were odd. What he was really saying with our yes and our no is to be consistent and dependable. Be honest. Don't inflate yourself. Have the guts to be genuine, just as you are. But I'm reminded, authenticity without love is like a clanging bell. It's ugly. Love should be manifested in mercy and gentle kindness. Where necessary, with discretion. As people of the Kingdom of God, we need to model this. As we do, our loving, consistent integrity unravels and untangles messes that so many find themselves in. In essence, we bring peace in the chaos. Amen. Well, we are now with our next guest. And it is with a friend of mine um, who I have known, well, I got to know probably better since lockdown because before that, we would only assemble intermittently as a, as a team. But then as lockdown started to happen, we started to realize we could meet together on, on the, the, the delights of Zoom. And it's with Diane McWilliam. Hello there. Uh, who, as you can tell, does not have an English accent. I do not. Diane is um, a remarkable person who we will get to know. She is. She works with, with me at the Cinema Network. She covers um, a, a variety of portfolios. I think within Cinnamon, one is working as in, in making sure that us advisors don't go wayward. <laughs> um and also then is an advisor for scotland which is appropriate being that you're in scotland Isn't yes, it? that would be complex if you're wales or the southwest because <laughs> yeah <laughs> although i cover that <laughs> which is weird because i'm in the southeast anyway um how you doing uh, how has life been since uh we were last in touch
1: Um. In- I think life has been good broadly, I think I spoke to you before the the summer so obviously in Scotland our summer holidays happen slightly before they do in England so um, my holidays were back at the end of June, beginning of July and we just had an absolutely fabulous time for three weeks in the north of Scotland, nailed the weather, very relaxing, just epic, just sets you up for for the second half (laughs) of the year, it was great. So, yeah, I'm just coming back and getting back into work and life and things.
2: That's
0: cool. That's cool. So, look, you, you, you're you a person who, who really interests me because, you know, a bit like me where I do a bit of this and a bit of this and a bit of this. Yeah. I told people a wee bit about, um, there you are, that's my first bit of Scottish for you. Uh, and I won't do my accent, by the way, just relief of people, um, uh, is you do cinnamon. And we are, um, uh, I would say, quite a dynamic, quite an agile um, uh, lead thinkers, enablers, facilitators in social action, community development, helping Christians, groups, churches to understand how to navigate what does it mean to meet the local needs of, of local people working in partnership mm. with others, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, but what else do you do? because I know you do other things. Why don't I you do. tell the world about
1: that and, and let's go from there. Okay, so as well as, I mean, I think, well, I should maybe start by saying that cinnamon probably encapsulates what I kind of feel my main thing is. So I'm a community development worker by trade yeah. and I, and I'm, I'm a Christian and I've been part of church plants for the last 30 years, pretty much. And so I'm quite. I'm really interested in this idea about community development, sitting alongside developing communities of faith, church planting, and um, the the two work together to um, to build the kingdom and communities. And so I, I think that m- for me, my my calling, if that's not too pretentious, yeah. is is about helping churches engage well with our community to develop a community as a that the, the kingdom of god is more than just a uh, praying the prayer and being saved it's it's a trans- transformation of um of not just individuals but of families and communities and nations and so so for me, cinnamon allows me <laughs> to have those conversations about community transformation and what that looks like when the kingdom of God is manifest in a neighbourhood and and how that how that works. So that's cinnamon. But alongside that, as as a community development worker, um, I do a bit of freelance work. So I, I just I work with a whole lot of kind of random organisations doing a whole lot of kind of things around community development and social action. Uh, I do some work with Glasgow University with their uh, community development courses, specifically with the practice placement stuff. I'm I, I am really an activist. Yeah. As really, an acad- well, I have I suppose delusions of academia, but <laughs> I'm really I'm really a practitioner. And yeah. so just that being able to um, connect the students into placements where they're going to have a good experience, to be able to problem solve with them, to be able to do some of the teaching around the practical skills that they need. I, I just love that. Not, not so much the marking, which kind of yeah. comes with the 10th but I don't yeah, think that's yeah. anybody's, anybody's favourite. <laughs> so I do that. Um, and then alongside that, I've got a family we foster, um, and I, that takes up a bit of time as well. Conversations when, when you're teenagers. I start talking in the middle of the night and you just go to ride the wave i love it i absolutely love it but um yeah sometimes you need a strong coffee the next morning to- oh my goodness <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what got you into it because i mean my my journey as community development community development social action probably started when i was about 15 when i went out on a a a, a bus just doing youth work outreach And it just kind of, you know, and then I got involved in uh, helping set up a YMCA and then somehow bizarrely then got involved with local and central government and and doing that and other projects around that, etc. How on earth did you get into it? Because it's not it's not a normal job, is it?
1: No, it's not. And I think lots of people kind of come into it from other places. I've I'd, I'd never really come across somebody who says, oh, from, from age five, I wanted to be a community development worker. Yeah. Um, I'd say from age five, I wanted to be a vet. So. Oh,
0: well, no, you failed.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> completely and utterly. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and I don't know how much you know about getting into vet school but you you have to work for a small animal practice you have to get experience at a large animal practice you have to do lambing you have to do dairy all this before you can get to university and so yeah so basically high school you know was was studying and and then holidays were you know finding farms or veterinary practices that would let me tag on and so mm-hmm. when I got to sixth year and got my exam results, I was I was one point short of my conditional offer. Oh, come on. I cried for a week. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> because I think I think when you have, when you've had something so fixed for so like for so long and you've invested so much into it,
2: yeah,
1: to have that just kind of wiped away literally in at the instant you open a letter, it was on oh, it was life, literally life changing. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say, um, instead of uh, being a vet, I went and did a zoology degree. But meanwhile, you know, I'd been kind of involved in church, and I'd done a bit of like Sunday school and a bit of, you know, a bit of kind of youth work, and I got involved in Scripture Union in mm-hmm. Scotland. They run, I guess, the same down south. They run a huge kind of residential camps and holiday program and yeah, summer yeah. missions and all this. So I got involved in all that. Loved it. Um, did did my zoology degree and interestingly everyone kind of assumed because I did youth work I would teach after it Mm. I kind of I don't know I kind of thought I like young people and I quite like to continue to like young people and I'm not Mm. really sure that spending all day with them in a classroom is the way to go Um, and so at that point by that point I was married and um, my husband was studying for the ministry so he was still a student and so I kind of needed to get a job I kind of vaguely looked at Social work and that wasn't quite a fit. Anyway, I ended up just because I just needed a job, I did the usual kind of milk ground stuff. So I applied for, uh, I actually worked in the NHS, I worked in a pathology lab for a little while. Wow. Uh, but I <laughs> actually uh, joined civil service and um, mm-hmm. because that gave us a bit of flexibility. So I worked for the Scottish office in uh, Locate in Scotland, which taught me masses of stuff. I mean, just office politics and practical stuff and that, that was all about kind of investment in school absolutely fascinating i loved it and um, so I worked there for a while and then at the point where alan my husband finished uh, university and was going to his probationary ministry i yeah. thought we could move to edinburgh he could car in glasgow be ready for whatever the next thing is go to edinburgh because um, i knew i could get a job there because that's where most of the scottish offices mm-hmm. anyway we ended up in um, in Westerhills, which is a scheme on the kind of west side of Edinburgh. Okay. Kind of 19, I suppose 1950s, high rises, kind yeah. of emptying, emptying the inner city slums out to the edges and abandoning them, kind of set up. And by the time I got there, there was the Scottish Office was doing this project called New Life for Urban Scotland. And they um, had four pilot projects and schemes across Scotland. So one in Edinburgh, one in D, and a couple in Glasgow. And uh, honestly, that I just think I just feel it's one of these things you look back on. The whole process was so God, or God ordained, God God laid. So basically, there was one post at my grade uh, in that place where where Alan was doing his probation, and the guy left a fortnight before we were due to move, and they were like, "Come on in." So wow. we ended up. Um, at church in Wester hills uh, we ended up working i ended up working in Wester hills we got a flat in Wester hills because i had a permanent job whereas my husband's contract was uh, an 18 month or kind of two year thing yeah. and um i just we just had the best time we we were in a church where there was just an amazing godly leadership team um doing some really kind of sensible work in the community you know not yeah. just and I'm mother and toddlers because that's what everybody does, but actually engaging with families, wrestling with really difficult questions in an area with high poverty and drug use and family breakdown and you know lots of issues. And you know, doing that at one side and then but also me working in the partnership and actually thinking about what it looked like to regenerate a community and yeah. what partnering with the council and partnering with the local government and partnering with the local community looked like. Um, And I would say it was just an epiphany. It was like, this is what I want to do. This is community development. And so uh, we did our kind of not quite two years in Edinburgh. And then um, at the point where Alan was looking for a job, I was saying, okay, let's consider going back to uni and looking at community development. And uh, so I left the Scottish office and ended up working in a community project with victim support. And the rest, as they say, is history.
0: Wow 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 so i mean t- today's devotion it's it's all about your yes and your no. and um my my wife will often comment to me that sometimes when i ask the kids to do something that my questions are quite closed questions <laughs> <laughs> which which isn't a discussion it's a do as you're told did you hear what i said have you done this are you going there? And it's like this, no discussion, no conversation. And it's lazy talk. It's really, it's, my, it's a really bad thing I'm learning. I, I think
1: we call that tail assertive on the, on the, on <laughs> I the social skills matrix.
0: <laughs> anyway. tell, I, I need to learn more about that. Um, and so for me, the, the word conversation and discussion, is really interesting, uh, and yet we we hear about this, about when you know the, this this passage is about uh, just being honest, not mm-hmm. you know, but there are ways of being honest that is not um, painful. There are there are there are ways to get there. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your experiences as a practitioner. Um, as you give your pearls of wisdom to students who are you looking to place and they have to navigate com- complicated c- scenarios where where do you draw upon that sense of how do you navigate
1: it um i actually i, I despite the fact that um it's not a christian course in any stretch of the imagination it's um i use peace gazero and his emotionally healthy spirituality stuff
2: like no you come across them
1: He's a, a pastor, a church leader in the States, um who basically broadly worked himself into almost into burnout, and um realized that uh, he needed to handle relationships and, and expectations and all the rest of it better. And so he's written a whole lot of stuff around emotionally healthy spirituality. And um a lot of the stuff he talks about is just, I mean, you can it's one of these things you kind of look at and think it's common sense but of course if it was common sense then nobody would need his books but actually we all do so so using I I use some of his principles and actually usually the first or second class of practice placement skills stuff, workshops we we talk about emotional health and how to uh, how to have courageous conversations, how to challenge well, how to um, listen and not react, all these kind of things um, because I think, I I don't know, I mean, there's, I suppose there's a lot of kind of external pressure on students anyway coming in, you know, they've, they're they doing their course and they've got all these things to do and, and then being thrown into a placement where they're, the learning curve should be quite steep because the whole point is to stretch them and to to help them to get to grips with what it means to, to work in community and, and engage with people who are not like them um so being able to listen well, being able to um to um yeah, being able to cope without being reactive, you know, react okay. to to hear from folk well, I think that is important. Um and yeah, and to be able to have courageous conversations that aren't just uh, I'm just gonna put up with this until I pass, or I'm just going to um I'm just gonna get resentful or angry or annoyed, but I actually be able to to challenge whale i think so important. how do you do
0: that because because those those themselves a bit like the word discipleship aren't words they, they are just a title to explaining something what's a courageous conversation look
1: like um a courageous conversation i think looks like uh, being really clear about what your kind of concern or your issue is being yep. able to articulate that without without getting massively emotional about it i mean i think it's it's not fair to see without having any emotion because Obviously, if it's a concern, it's causing some kind of reaction in you. But but being able to articulate that without blame, without you always do, you know. Um, but being able to say this this is a situation, this is how I feel about it. Um, and I I always think it's much more helpful to come with a solution rather than just to come and moan. So I would say, so, you know, if you if you've got a if you've got an answer or if you've got a suggestion, make it. So. I'd, I know for me, I'd much rather if somebody had a problem, maybe came to me and said, this, is, this has come up, this has what happened. But actually, I think if we did this, we could resolve it. And so saying to the students as well, you know, try and, try and be proactive, try and think through, if you can, put yourself into your, whoever it is you're speaking to, put them into their shoes. Can you imagine what's going on for them that might have either caused them not to notice or caused them to react in a particular way? You know, some of the, the stuff that... We, that i guess a lot of times boils down to good communication but also with a kind of compassion and empathy that allows you to um to allows you to understand and hear their point of view but with a a level of assertiveness that allows you also to say what you need to say and not not i guess have to um i won't say not not really apologize for it because it's because it's okay to have an issue with something it's okay to be able to go to someone and have that kind of this has happened and i'm not happy about it kind of conversation but without getting as i say without getting into the you always do this that's always terrible and just catastrophizing it i mean but that's just unhelpful yeah Um, so So
0: give me an example because because you know there's there's theory and then there's practice give me an (laughs) example of where it's gone either where it's gone well or where it's gone bad
1: Okay. Uh, that is an interesting. Let me just think have a little think about what I can talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, and, and well I can go uh, one of the examples that springs to mind where it's gone badly is um uh, challenging somebody on uh, basically I suppose on how they handle their relationship and challenging their blind spot. Yeah. Um, and part of the problem, of course, with blind spots are that they're blind spots, and and it's it's hard to help people kind of turn their head far enough around to see <laughs> see yeah. their blind spots. And um and so did, did the kind of courageous conversation thing. In the, in that I had I had, I think preparation is important. I have to say in some of these conversations, you yeah. kind of you can't just kind of launch in. You kind of got to actually think about what you want to see. Mm. But having thought about what I wanted to see and where I wanted to go and what you want out of it at the far end. I had very calmly explained that um, that I hadn't appreciated what had, what had happened, yeah. that I thought that the person I was talking to had kind of missed um, had had missed one aspect of of what I was trying to do and hadn't understood it, yeah. and that um, perhaps they could consider looking at it in a in a different way, which was me trying to say you've got a blind spot without being without being too aggressive about it (laughs) um because sometimes well language is important and and language triggers people in the way not as you know not the words you use the tone of voice you use all these yeah yeah when you're talking in in your devotion about gentleness you know if we can if we can be gentle a gentle answer turns away wrath all that kind of stuff all very biblical so if we can be gentle as about what we say it but i mean jesus was gentle but he didn't he didn't um he didn't never compromise you know he said hard things
0: yeah but yeah
1: something and sometimes in quite a firm way when he was challenging the Pharisees and stuff so yeah, yeah that was an example where but the, the person I was speaking to couldn't couldn't see that she wasn't wrong or that there was any any space for her not to be yeah so that that doesn't so what well. do you do in that situation you just had to leave it. I, I, I remember years and years and years ago, when um, Toronto was happening, and we were all beginning to learn about how to do prophetic ministry and stuff. Yeah. Somebody somebody said to me, um, "You know, it's the, it's the prophet's job to to share the word if that's what God's asked them to do, but it's not the prophet's job to to push it through to push action on it. That's the church leader's job, the pastor, or you know, whoever's in charge." And you know, it was in the context of a conversation about the, the kind of prophetic working with church leadership and how to how to um, incorporate it well into your church. But I always just remember actually that's that's quite freeing almost. Mm-hmm. My responsibility, if I think I've heard from God and I think that God's asking me to say something, my my responsibility is to do that. But what you do with that, that's not my responsibility.
0: So then what do you do then? Uh so so you got one way, which is that basically communicating in a very you know, clarity, articulation, objective, no blame, and come with mm. a solution th- th- mm. those are
1: the, 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 that's, the... Yeah, that's the basic principles, I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you've got this thing of listening well, because yeah. there's there's a problem with how people translate and mm. receive information. I always call, call how we share a bit of information is that we have a ball. And if we have that ball and we throw it at someone at uh, you know, like a baseball at a crazy pace, that sort of thing, that is a bit like we're shouting at that person. But if we gently throw it at that person underarm, close by, uh, that person can easily receive that, mm-hmm. unless that person's not ready to receive that ball.
2: Mm-hmm. And sometimes
0: yeah. there's this thing, and I, and I know this in in all of Christendom, in in all of. Uh, in in our social demographics. So where we come from, our gender, our age, our spiritual perspective, we come with a a confirmation bias. You know, we see things from a point of view, and we think Mm -hmm. it's the point of view. But as you say, like this blind spot, it's not. Mm -hmm. How do you help? How do you then help your students to enable others? Because although you're saying, yes, there is this you're off the hook, you're not there to be the answer to the question, but how can you enable and facilitate a, a, a habit, a muscle of listening
1: well? Yeah, I, I think it's about humility, um, which which isn't a terribly popular word <laughs> often, but but it needs to be. And actually, when I'm talking about community development, you know, if I'm talking to churches or talking to uh, voluntary or organisations or talking to my students, um humility needs to be part needs to be a, a kind of key attitude that kind of underpins what we do I, I think um, the other thing that if my students were listening they would all be rolling their eyes because I will say it's all about relationship you know if you build relationships if you build good relationships then you'll, your community development will be much more effective because you've got that base of relationships and then I'll say to them it's all about power because who's got the power and who do we? <laughs> so it's all about relationships, and it's all about power. Who's got the power? And, and genuinely, they all roll their eyes, if I say anything like that, because I say it so, so often. Like, oh, there she goes again. But it is. It's all, I think that the relationship building is crucial in any kind of, kind of community development, um, and in church life, and in anything. You know, if you if you want to bring effect, or bring about effective change, you need to be in relationship with people, because you can't do it in your own. It needs, it needs collaboration, it needs... Voices coming together, um, and and I think that humility allows you to hear the expertise of the people who live in that community because you don't know. Well, you may live there, but it's still only your experience. You don't know other people's experiences. You need to. I think you need to have the humility to listen um, and and hear what life's like for other people for. And so that they can share their knowledge and they can share their, um, yeah, their the challenges that they face, but also the ambitions they have, their communities. So, um, I mean,
0: those those are those are the the things where you start to open up your heart. You know, those yeah. are the, those are the terrifying questions because you're making yourself vulnerable.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and, and and sometimes there are things where people have things in their past where they want to project into, project through, some of them mm-hmm. have a, an axe to grind. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we, we both know this, that when we talk with church leaders, that a good portion, and I won't give a percentage, a good portion of leaders, there is a degree of inse- uh, insecurity. You know? they
1: Really? notice that too oh maybe
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so kindness is such an important thing you know i i meet with different leaders it's one person who i won't name i do say to him listen i go to listen i'm your friend i'm not here to 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 smash you down to the floor or anything like that i'm here to be a friend and a support and a help
2: yeah
0: and uh, often I ask, and I think it's really interesting that you talk about people's values. And I, I suppose I use the language of, well, what does a win look like? What does success look like? What does doing really well look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I was doing some study on it on this. Actually, I'm I'm moving uh, I'm moving into a space of I'm trying to understand shalom because it's such a a, a useful word <laughs> uh, because that they, they all have. Um, I haven't got it it's on my phone another place but if you put in Shalom you've got Salom uh, you've got the the Arabic white version and you've got the Jewish version
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and one is the, the the Arabic one is about peace if I get it right but yeah the the, the Jewish one is about goodness and wholeness and when you bring you when you say to, I want things to be good for you and I want things to be good for for, for I use a language of me we and everybody you know, it's all about you, but it's about those around you. And it's those who are that, mm-hmm. you know, it's your wider community. And in a uh, previous podcast, um, that that I've done with a chap called Chris Mitten, he, um, they do a thing called table as a form of church. Mm-hmm. As Once as they do that, aside their Sunday worship, it's a time of where they do fellowship and growth and health, or health mm-hmm. that, that leads to growth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and we're thinking about, well, what does that look like, you know, post lockdown and we do communities that are, you know, do, do we want to go back to the way things are? And a lot of people are saying no. And some people are going, yeah. But again, the the, the thing that we're looking at is the no, we don't want things to go back because they don't actually get to where we actually need, which is enabling and empowering that leads people to one of shalom in themselves, shalom in their homes, shalom into the people and friends and family they're connected to, and their colleagues, etc. Mm-hmm. What well, what do you think are? How do you build friendships and relationships? What's your? Because everyone does it differently. Well, how do you do it? does it?
1: I do don't, don't I'm just going to hang it around. A <laughs> I'm going to prepare for. Bad <laughs> day. <Just> hanging around <laughs> being
0: a pain in the neck. <laughs> and there's a hang, and there's a hang around where it's like, yeah, I want you to hang around.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think um, I mean, well, I suppose it kind of depends on the context. You know, there's some places you're kind of thrown together and you have to kind of get along to get on with something. Or going into going into a new church, for example, like a church plant, then you what, how you make friends there is slightly different. I mean, I suppose that the principles of um kind of good listening being open being willing to share a bit of your you know to give a bit of yourself as well as gain um to serve and be served mm. uh, i think that's part of the dynamic as well I mean, lots of stories around that but i suppose the one that comes to mind in that is um i was i used to run in our last in our last church i used to run the kind of children's church midweek
2: oh yeah
1: and they uh, We'd wanted to do something that connected. So, we'd about at its its busiest, we'd probably about 80 primary age kids coming along, 70 of whom were non church families. Wow. And I loved it. I mean, it was, (laughs) I just loved it (laughs) for my kids. But we also had connection with the families. And at that stage, my own kids were kind of those kind of primary age or maybe just a bit, they were kind of the young leader, young helpers kind of stage. Anyway, we were wanting to do something that didn't just connect. Um, the kids but also the families and it, beyond just like the kind of Christmas come and play kind of things or the summer trips or the, whatever we want to do something but we're substantive I couldn't get past the um, oh that's a minister's wife you can't swear in front of her kind of conversations <laughs> <It's terrible>. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know even at the school gate and even though I would say I was quite chatty with some of the mums um, there was still this. That's the minister's wife, and she runs the kids club, and uh, and that's it. Until when I was back at uni doing McKinney development, I needed a group. I was one of the placements I was on was um, developing material for women's groups, and I had to kind of trial this material. It was all about th- this particular set was about the kind of run up to Christmas and the pressures and the expectations of put on you and how oh, we deal yeah. with it. Nightmare. So, as everybody knows, at the school gate there is one mum who's in charge. So if there's if there's parents listening to you, they'll probably recognise this. I'll well, all I know yeah, who yeah. that is. <laughs> <laughs> so half kids came to our kids' club and so I knew her well enough. So I went and said, yeah. uh, Sammy, you need to help me. I've got this thing I need to do for uni. I need a group of folk. Do you think do you think there's some of the some of the mums who come and do this? I'll we'll drop the kids off at school, we'll go up to the community centre cafe, I'll buy you all a bacon roll, and then for six weeks, could we do this thing and that'll help me out? oh my goodness, the relationship completely turned around because suddenly instead of me doing something for them, for their kids and giving them a couple hours off on a Thursday night, they were doing something for me. And, and this lady in particular who kind of got the troops together i ended up with a group of like 10 women covering and eating bacon rolls <laughs> and and um, not only did they do this material that i needed for uni but yeah. they loved it so much we did a mini alpha i don't know what mickey Gumble would have said about bacon rolls for breakfast instead of candlelit tables and glassware yes oh, well i didn't <laughs> they love they loved that and um, we did that kind of thing after that. so we, we basically established this little group and it was amazing but but i think it was back to the relationship and the power. I had the relationship, but I also had the power. But by that, by asking them for help to help me with this thing, suddenly the power shifted. And mm. they had the power. And so they it, it equalized it somehow. And so they were willing to come and they were willing to talk and they were willing to help me. And yes. it, just, it just changed. So I think I think the conversation needs to be two-way. You need to hear from them, but you also need to give it yourself. I think doing needs to be two-way. You need to do for, but you also need to receive and be willing to receive. Mm. There's a, and there's a humility in that. Um, you know, there's a, there's a quote from, oh, let me just get this right. Daniel Niles, I think he's a Lankan theologian. Okay. He said, he said something along the lines of um, a serving from a, position of power is not service it's beneficence and to be jesus's disciples to, to be a disciple of jesus you need to serve from a position of powerlessness i'm paraphrasing but but i just i just think there's something really helpful in that when we're thinking about humility and relationship um that it needs to be a, a kind of 2 way thing i think that this the service thing is important as well i mean in um, I don't know if you come across Bob Eakblad. He's another interesting writer, um, but I remember him, hearing him say, "You know, it's not particularly um, with guys, but generally, activists. Um, it's not about just inviting people into a relationship. It's inviting them to into a role in, in God's army." You know, and uh, so yeah. that business of of um, serving together and making a difference together, and community development just loves all that kind of stuff. Because one of, one of um, the community learning development standards is, is about collaboration and working together. And, and I think being able to do that well across faith groups, across community groups, across uh, statutory agencies, bringing, bringing all those voices together to make a difference is, is uh, important. But you need the relationships. You yeah. need to work hard at the relationships.
0: Yeah. It's that, really interesting because as, as you were sharing that, I know I've mentioned, I know Johnny, uh covers the north for cinnamon Mm
2: -hmm.
0: he's read a book and mentioned it uh and it's this when we do (laughs) the community development so it's a complex work because we are developing communities but in Mm -hmm. actual fact we're just doing life together that's actually what it's really all about it's just doing it's been intentional to be beyond our four walls of where we live in our homes we're actually building bridges which obviously is developing communities, et cetera, and so mm-hmm. we use that. but um we, we use the word do we do it two, do we do it four? but what you're yeah. talking about is is with definitely,
1: alongside with and alongside, not two or four,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, but but in so doing, the thing that let's say broke the the mantra two and four, because they probably perceive that as oh Diane, you know, minister's wife, she's doing it two, she's doing it four. The thing that made that, let's say, where you, uh, where, where the power shifted from you to we mm-hmm. was when you said, I need you. And you became vulnerable and said, I don't have the answers to the questions, but I think mm-hmm. you can help me. Would, mm-hmm. you, would you like to do something together? Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. Because let's think about that now. Let's, let's really un, 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 unravel that. Because, you see, when you have your courageous conversations and you come with a solution and you're articulating it, the key, the key to success is with, not two or four, I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to come with a solution and you're going to co- agree with it. But if it's the same, we are in this conversation together and I have a role and you have a role, and for us, we, we answer this together. If it's yeah. done with a with... That I have a part to play, you have a part to play. Then that whole notion of unraveling complex scenarios, whether it be behaviours, whether it be scenarios or situations that we find ourselves and our role that we play. Um, yeah, I love it. Vulnerability, which obviously is an, is is humility, which says, I, I remember. I remember that the whole thing of humility is basically says no i don't know have all the answers i just
1: don't i just don't and yeah. that's okay but together we do yeah or at least together we can work them out and that's part of the fun <laughs> that, that's developing community in itself isn't it they working out but <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. I love that. Well Diane look thank you so much that's been just such a uh, helpful. Um I think Pete Schizaro. how do you spell his second name?
1: I think just as it sounds with two z's Schizaro.
0: Right. Uh, yeah emotionally healthy spirituality. I think that is a book that yeah. I'm 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 going to get get on a uh, yeah
2: have a
0: look. I, I think that's something mm-hmm. that's cuz I remember when we were um uh must have been about four or five months ago as a team and we just went through a time of saying well how are you doing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and all of us mm-hmm. all of us are saying there's been some things let's come to the surface
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it was do you know what i found that more moving because it, it basically said it's okay not to be okay which causes an a phrase it's a bit like um, like a time like this so oh, i hate that phrase so much <laughs> such a time like this <laughs> <laughs> but but um that sense of we bleed we're vulnerable um and we can't answer all the questions on our own mm-hmm. and, and we need people
2: yeah
0: yeah so look um people can get a hold of you through good old cinnamon network through yes, did. Um, through um cinema network and also cinnamon connect which is our new platform which is fizzing with content which and they'll see our lovely faces on different videos yeah how weird is that um (laughs) it is i find it weird seeing myself um and how else i suppose that's the best way for people to get in contact
1: with you isn't it yeah i think so Pay me online. there you go
0: thank you very much bless you it's
1: been a pleasure thank you matt
0: Well, I just want to say thank you for joining us today on this podcast and uh, for any references that were made throughout, be it groups or books or whatever, um, do come and visit us on seasoned4.life and there we'll also have other details about all the other podcasts that we have done and will be doing also. Take care and we'll catch up soon.